Paul said, but when Paul, sorry, Paul said, of the hope and resurrection of the dead, I am called into question. He also said, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called into question by you this day. Our hope, our hope in life centers around the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The words or the phrase rose again comes up in the Bible three times. Rose again comes up three times. Rise again comes up 11 times. The phrase from the dead is found 53 times in the scriptures. Risen from the dead is 10 times in the scriptures. And resurrection is 41 times in the scriptures. So it's a very central topic throughout the Bible. The scriptures are perfect and precise. The setting is very clear and important. John 20 begins while it is still dark, early in the morning on the first day of the week. That makes it this Sunday morning. And this is fitting because according to Acts 20 verse 7 and 1 Corinthians 16 2, the New Testament church would meet on the first day of the week. And that's exactly what we do today. So there's your setting and we follow it today. That makes it Sunday morning. This is, oh, I said that already. The Gospel of Mark tells us that Mary Magdalene also was with Mary and the mother of James and Salome. So there was three of them. And they were bringing spices to anoint their Lord, an act of worship. That's what we do when we come here on Sunday morning on the first day of the week. Same thing that those ladies were doing, an act of worship. Little did they know they themselves were actually part of his body. We are part of the body of Christ. They went to anoint that body and we asked Lord Jesus, anoint us this morning. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that it was in the end of the Sabbath as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week. Since the Sabbath day had a prohibition on work, this was their first opportunity to come and serve their Lord. Mary Magdalene's early morning journey to the tomb is really an example of following Jesus' teaching in Matthew 5, which tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus had forgiven all her sins, and she was continuing to follow her Savior and Master even to the grave. I believe that her earnest desire to see him was rewarded by Jesus' choice to reveal himself to her first. Remember, Jesus told his disciples in Luke 18.33 that he would be crucified and rise again on the third day. Not only was this the first day of the week, it was also the third day since he was crucified. Sunday was the third day, Saturday was the second whole day, and also was the Sabbath. Friday was the first whole day after the crucifixion. The Bible is right. It's true and accurate. The Passover was on Wednesday. The disciples ate the Last Supper with Jesus, who was in the garden that night. The Jews had waited to crucify him because of the Passover. But they themselves didn't eat the lamb because they spent the night trying him illegally. And this was pertinent since they would kill Jesus, but not partake in the blessings of his sacrifice at that time. And the blessings, of course, is redemption. The Jews didn't participate in that redemption. Fortunately, God had a plan so that Israel could partake the second time Jesus comes. Remember, if a Jew was unclean the first time Passover, on the first of the month, sorry, the first month of the year, on the 14th day when Passover happened, if they were unclean, they couldn't partake. The Jews were unclean when Jesus came the first time. But God has a plan because he said, if you were unclean the first time, 
a month later, you can have Passover, a, a second opportunity. And I believe that God has that second Passover coming for the Jews. So he's got a plan to, to, to redeem Israel. Jesus was crucified on, the thir- on Thursday and died sometime after the ninth hour. Joseph took his body when even came, and Friday was actually called the day of preparation for the Sabbath. So this is fitting that Jesus was prepared and laid in the tomb on Friday because it's the day of preparation. The Sabbath was the day of rest, and Jesus, who is called the Lord of the Sabbath, was left to rest there on the Sabbath day. Uh, Of course, Jesus had gone to the heart of the earth, which is to say hell, and pay the full punishment for our sins and preach to the captives there. Hell was our punishment, and Jesus took it to the fullest. There is nowhere that God, being omnipresent and eternal, isn't. There's nowhere that God isn't. Remember what David said in Psalm 139? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. Also in verse 15, my substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Furthermore, Jesus read the very words about himself written by the prophet Isaiah. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recover the sight of the blind, to set them at liberty liberty that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of them all were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is scripture fulfilled in your ears. And Jesus also said in Matthew twelve forty, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Peter also reminds us, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which he went and preached unto the spirits in prison in hell, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. They, like figure unto even baptism, doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, so physical baptism doesn't count. It's a good thing to do, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. It's an ordinance of God. It's an obedience to God, but in itself doesn't save you. But the answer of a good conscience towards God, the answer of a good conscience towards God, that baptism of the heart, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can't take away the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Historically proven, Jesus rose again. There is an empty tomb. So many witnesses of that empty tomb. Scriptures, the scriptures prophesied that Jesus was going to die, not just physically, but also his soul would face hell so that we would not have to. He paid the price in full, and he beat death. Hell could not keep him. 
Psalm 16:10 For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption Psalm 49:15 But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave for he shall receive me Selah Selah means stop and think so every time you see that in the scriptures you need to stop and think about what the Bible's saying about it you see the word Selah uh, the two angels at the tomb represent, and I believe, the Old and the New Testament. They are angels, messengers. Angel means messenger. And the power of witnesses of the power and grace of God. Perhaps, perhaps even they were the two angels at Sodom and Gomorrah, saving Lot, but destroying the ungodly. Now think about that for a minute. They went into an evil place and pulled out Lot and his family before the destruction happened, before the wrath of God was poured out. One has a message of hope, and the other of judgment. We learn in Matthew 28 that one, that one of the angels was like lightning and fearful to look upon. And one of the angels asked why she was looking for the living among the dead, and that Christ was not here, but risen, just as he told them he would. As a Bible verse that we memorized at Awana, he is not here. He is risen, as he said. Matthew 28, 16. Mary is a picture of the church, following the, her Lord, listening and looking for him, following the commandment to seek him. Are you doing that? Are you searching the scriptures daily like the noble Bereans in Acts 17, 11? Are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Paul told us to awake and rise from the dead. Ephesians 5:14 to 16. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then you walk work circumspect sorry, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. And I'll just stop on a personal note. I've been convicted lately of not redeeming the time. We know that the days are evil. He's talking about that. The days are evil. And I find so many distractions in life. And what are we doing for the kingdom? What am I doing for the kingdom? It's so easy to get distracted with the phones, with the games, with shows, with whatever with yard work even, with the renos, the whatever. And what are we doing to redeem the time? What's the most important thing? So I've been personally convicted over that. Arise from the dead like Jesus did. Take up your cross and follow him. Let's stop wasting the precious little time we have left and win some more souls for his kingdom. We live in an evil world without hope. Let's give them hope. The hope of resurrection from mortality into eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Colossians 3, 1 to 4 says, If then be sorry, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. 
When Mary turned to back to the empty tomb, Jesus is going to reveal himself. Mary has hoped that she will yet find Jesus even after his death. Jesus reveals himself. She turns, she looks at him, doesn't understand that it's him, and he speaks, Mary. The last book of the Bible is the book of Revelation, but the full title is the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation means to reveal something. And our God is in the business of revealing things. Our enemies in the business of mysteries, secrets, hiding things. But our God is in the business of revealing things and himself to us. The last book is not a mystery, but actually a book of unveiled mysteries. Jesus reveals himself to us. This is his way. In the same way that Jesus revealed himself to Mary, Jesus told us in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and follow him. This is why we continue on in the scriptures, that we might know God's voice. He is the good shepherd, and those who follow him are his sheep. Sometimes we like to follow other things, and that noise makes it harder to hear Christ's voice. It's good to get alone and study his word, like Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. After revealing himself to his disciples, Jesus ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. Before sending Mary to witness to his disciples, Jesus told Mary not to touch him yet. He was going to prepare a place for his bride, which is the church. Later, in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul said it's not good for a man to touch a woman. And so Jesus was pure. He's going to make a place for his bride, and he's not going to touch a woman before that. There are uh, ideas out there that he ended up marrying Mary Magdalene and all sorts of silly ideas like that. Um, that's not true. He didn't touch her. And I think that's a very important point here. Mary goes to tell the disciples that Jesus has risen. She as the church shares the truth about his resurrection power. Remember, the church is responsible to go tell the world about Jesus and make disciples. Matthew 28, 18-20 says, And Jesus come and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. And Mark 16, 15-16, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And Luke 24 45 to 47, then he opened, then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures, and saith unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. It's our job to go out 
and tell people about the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so will every believer who has died before Christ's return, and some have already been resurrected as encouraging examples to us. In, in the Old Testament, in the book of Kings, you have Zarephath's son by Elijah. You have the Shunammite woman's son by Elisha. An Israelite man whose casket touched Elisha rose from the dead. In the New Testament, the widow of Nain's son by Jesus. Jairus' daughter by Jesus. Lazarus by Jesus. And then at the crucifixion, the earth cracks open and the saints and the various saints come out and they're resurrected. Their graves are opened up. Uh, Paul, uh, Tabitha was dead and it was mournful to everybody and he prayed for her and she rose up. And Eutychus, who fell asleep while Paul was rambling on and on and on, he went down and he was risen from the dead. Those are nine examples in the scriptures for us to be encouraged by. There's some resurrection. Now, they were resurrected into the flesh, but we have the hope of resurrection into new life. That means we're going to go to heaven. We're going to reign with Christ. We're not going to the lake of fire. We're not going to an eternal damnation, to any damnation. We're not appointed to wrath. They are the first fruits. There's nine is the number in, in the scriptures that's identified with fruit bearing. You think about Sarah, who's 90 years old, bears the child for, or in her womb for nine months. The promise was given to, um, to Abraham that, you're, that you know, next year you're going to have a baby. When he was 99, there are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are nine fruit to the Holy Spirit. And these nine examples are there as first fruits for us. Now, if you be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But, uh, but now Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so Christ shall be made alive. Christ the firstfruits, and after, after they that are at Christ at his coming. So we have a hope that not only was Jesus resurrected, but we will be resurrected with him in the last day. Ephesians uh, 2, verse 5, Even when they were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Quickened means to give life. The Spirit quickeneth. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Colossians 2, 8-12 Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy, and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands of the heart, and putting, putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, 
wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. First Peter says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For as much as you know that ye are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold. From your vain conversation received by traditions from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God." Remember how Abraham believed that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead and offer up his son to God, ready to sacrifice him in the hope that God would raise him from the dead and fulfill his promise through Isaac. That is the kind of faith we ought to have. Faith is built upon God's promises found in his word and of the hope of resurrection in the last day. Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19 says, By faith, when Abraham was tried, offered up Isaac, and he, sorry, he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac thy seed shall be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. That's a lot of faith. To believe that God would raise him from the dead, and there was no example of that for Abraham. We have nine examples. Have you put your faith and hope in God? In the sacrifice and payment he made for you? I know I'm asking a church, a people that are sitting here at church, not those who are out at home that don't know the Lord, uh, or out at the beach, or wherever they're at today. I'm asking people in church, and I'm hoping that if you don't know the Lord, this rings true for you because I don't know if you truly do or if you come to church. But more than that, if you do believe that this helps spur you, what I'm about to, to talk about, helps spur you to share the message with others. Sometimes we forget what to say and this will help you, I hope. Have you put your faith and hope in God? If you haven't, you have no hope. If you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, who was crucified, tortured, and killed in your place, then you are destined to an eternity in the lake of fire and brimstone. And there's no sugar coat in it. Sometimes we don't want to say the word hell or fire and brimstone, but there's no sugar coating it. If you don't trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation, that's where you're going. You're destined to eternity in the lake of fire and brimstone. There is no sugarcoating. Each one of us has sinned against God who created this world. We have broke his rules, his laws, his commandments. When we served ourselves instead of him and fulfilled our own lusts instead of denying them, the consequences of just one imperfection, just one sin, is death. Not just death of the body, but death of the soul. In Revelation 20, 
we see what John says. He says, I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they that sit upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received the mark upon their foreheads, nor in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, that is to say life, on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which were in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is of the, as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophet are, and shall be tormented night and day forever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat up on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And that's half an hour. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. That's the second resurrection. And that one is of judgment. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Do you want your name written in the book of life? I know I want mine. I've sinned. Sure I have. I lied. I hated. That's murder in my heart. I coveted after things. I committed adultery in my heart. I put myself on God's throne and made things into idols. I've dishonored my parents, used the Lord's name in vain, and not rested on the Sabbath. If it were not for the grace of God and the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, I would stand here a man condemned. But I have hope. Hope of the resurrection into new life. My body is corrupt and loves sin, but my soul has been redeemed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He bought my life with his. Because of his resurrection, I know that I will rise again one day, and I will stand before the throne and worship. I will sit at a table with my Lord Jesus and be a part of him along with other believers for eternity. If you've sinned, and all of us have, then you're going to face the full force of God's wrath unless you repent, which means to turn away 
from your sins and trust that Jesus has paid for all your sins, all of them past, present, and future. It's no good having someone give you the payment for a debt that you owe and cannot pay if you don't receive the gift. Likewise, going to church and doing good things doesn't mean a thing if you have not trusted Jesus with your life. He's your Lord and Savior. Trust him. Give him your life. He paid for it anyway. And you too will have the same hope of resurrection of life as I do. If you, have you repented for your sins and confessed Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? If so, you have hope. You have hope of eternal life through Christ's resurrection. If you have not, you have no hope. You, you need to repent of your sins and trust, that, trust Jesus Christ with your soul. He was tortured and bled out his precious life-giving blood for you. You deserve the punishment that he took for you. You don't merit his grace and mercy. You deserve nothing less than the wrath that you bought with each dirty thought, each lustful idea, and each transgression. Sinner, if you, sir, sir, sinner, you have one certainty before you, God's wrath. He sent his own precious son to take your punishment and the full weight of his wrath upon himself so you don't have to. Yet, you're spitting in his face, yelling crucify him every time you reject his offer of salvation. Rejecting his offer of grace amounts to ripping up a voucher for free eternal life. Instead, you reject God, you reject his son, who is the very word of God, and you face an eternity in the lake of fire and brimstone. Repent now. Repent before it's too late, and you die unredeemed. You may die tomorrow. Nobody knows. And every day is a gift. Even the most terrible day you can imagine full of anguish and despair, is one more day you have to put your faith in Jesus. One more opportunity to repent and trust in him, if you have not yet. Cry out to the Lord and he will hear you. Ask him to forgive you and soften your heart. Ask him for faith in him. Trust him. Own him as Lord and submit your life to him. Jesus paid your debt. Receive the freedom he offers. The Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Saying that on the song. All old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given himself to the ministry of reconciliation. And John eight thirty six says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. He rose again from the grave, conquering death, and he's the author of life itself. He will save you if you trust in him, like a man would trust in a parachute while jumping from a plane. Romans thirteen fourteen says, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Do this and you will be born again, a new creature, Yes, there will be travail and tribulation in new life as a son or daughter of God, but it's all part of birth. When you pass through the other side, there's rejoicing and life everlasting. A few final scriptures. 1 Peter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled 
that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, Now I say, brethren, that the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. 55 says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as, they, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we be ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen.